You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. Welcome to the Fantasy Wildcard Show. I'll be your host this week, Ali. You can follow me on Twitter at FF Dynasty Grill. With me as always are my two amazing co-hosts. I'll come to you first, Kev. You can follow on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Goat. How are you doing tonight, Kev? Good evening, Ali the Books fan. I'm doing pretty well, thank you very much. As an Eagles fan, looking forward to the weekend, obviously. But but yeah, we've got this show to, to get through and uh, we've got some great action to analyse from last week's games. We certainly have. We can be friends today and we could be enemies on Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) And next I'll introduce our other amazing co-host, Matt, who you can follow on Twitter at MattFFDynasty. How you doing, Matt? Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks, Ali. We're good to to get to enjoy the NFL this weekend without stressing about fantasy football and and what have you. So, yeah, enjoyed it and uh, looking forward to to analysing these these random players that popped up in some of these games. But... (laughs) Yeah, should be a good one. Certainly agree. It was uh, an interesting week, and as you mentioned, it was good to good to relax, knowing that the championships with all the stress was out the window, and we could just enjoy some of these random players popping off in week eighteen. <laughs> but yeah, on tonight's show, we'll be recapping the final week of the NFL regular season, uh, where we're going to be hi- highlighting some of the key players and talking points from week eighteen, and analysing them from a dynasty perspective. So I'll come to you first, Kev. You've got a wide receiver you want to talk about, but is he really a wide receiver? I mean, he's he's pretty random in terms of what he does. Um, yeah, it's I'd start tonight's show with Debo Samuel. Um, what a player, what a game, what a season he's had. He's single-handedly piggybacked the 49ers to the playoffs. I mean, there was down 17-3 at the half and was in dire need, and he was the catalyst to the comeback win. One of the most complete fantasy performances I've ever seen, to be honest, a passing touchdown. Rushing touchdown, 90 feet, 95 receiving yards. Um, so many clutch plays in the game. It, it was 28.96 fantasy points. Um, but actually, that was only his fourth best game of the year, which shows how standard, outstanding he's been all season long. And I know that Joe Burrow, he's been on fire to finish the year and he's been experiencing his true breakout. But I think for Debo to bounce back to wide receiver three overall, in my eyes, he deserves consideration for comeback player of the year as well. I think real life, you've got to ask the question, is there a more important non-QB for any player across any team? But the the downside is, despite this wide receiver free finish, I still have some long-term uh, minor questions about Debo Samuel. Obviously, there's the transition to Lance in the future, whether that's next season or the year after or whenever Kyle Shanahan grows a pair. But um, you've got to think, will the chemistry be there? Will it be a, a more run-orientated <laughs> offence? Uh, how will that look? There's also, the fact that this is very likely Debo's peak fantasy season, wide receiver three. Um, and then lastly, the durability. He's missed time in each of the, the three seasons in the NFL. And you've got to think the running back usage is had 59 rush attempts. When you're running back and you use more like a running back, there's a greater chance of injury of that position as well, especially when you're. it's not only, always jet sweeps. He's been taking runs up the middle as well. So, yeah, durability is going to be a question mark in my mind for Debo while he's in that role. He's currently going wide receiver 10 at keep trade cut. So the, the public's pretty high on him. He's a wide receiver one. Uh, he's a running back one if you want to put it that way and spin it that way. But I think he's out had an outstanding year. The question is, 
is this a flash in the pan? Is this going to be easily his best he and his ever had? So with that in mind, I just want to get your guys' thoughts on if you trust Debo to be that cornerstone piece of a retooling, rebuilding dynasty roster, or are you looking to sell him to the contenders in your league? Yeah, I'll just start by saying it's hard not to be excited about Debo Samuel after what we've seen this past year. Um, even just looking back to this past week, he showed us just, just how versatile he is. I mean, he's the, the wide receiver one, the running back one, and the quarterback one all rolled into one. So <laughs> really, really exciting just, just to watch from just watching football. It, it, it's really, it's really encouraging to see what he's doing. He's still only 25 years old as well. And I mean, he just racks up them fantasy points on his own. He, he leads the league in... Um, yards after catch per reception at 10.2 yards. And that just offers you that safe floor um, in terms of, of the usage that he gets both as a rusher and a receiver. Um, he actually had 20 missed tackles forces a receiver and then 20 missed tackles forces a rusher. And I mean, that's pretty good going considering he only had 77 receptions and 59 rushing attempts. So if you look at that, he's, he's forcing a missed tackle on nearly 30% of his of his touches. So, I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. And like I say, he's just, he's racking up them fantasy points on his own. It's not like he's, he's relying on his quarterback. He's, he's doing it all by himself pretty much. Um, the only concern, like you mentioned, Kev, long-term, I think it is that, that limited, limited sample size that we've seen with Trey Lance as his, as his quarterback. Although saying that he did have average 16.7 fantasy points per game in the two games that, that Trey Lance started this season. So, I mean, nice. That, that's nothing to tell you now as a pet, is it? That's still rock solid fantasy production. Um, so yeah, to be honest, I'm I'm happy to have Debo as part of as a, as a key part of my roster heading into 2021, and that's whether I am retooling or, or contending. I think I'd have to be in a, a really deep hole in a, a really tough <laughs> a really tough rebuild for me not to want to to hang on to Debo Samuel. Yeah, completely agree with Matt. I think his usage just this season makes him incredibly exciting prospect to own for a, a contender or a rebuilding side. Um, if you own him and you were in on him before the season, like Matt was, then the, the, <laughs> Love it. the, the increase in value you've got is just incredible. Uh, I tweeted out my the Grills Fantasy Awards just after the season and um, <laughs> Debo was my, my breakout winner. Um a few people have come at come at me with a few other suggestions, but I just think he's had a finish of wide receiver thirty two. But to to make that massive jump to wide receiver three, I think just deserved that award and just incredibly safe floor in this system. Um, even when, as you mentioned, Matt, when Lance played in week seventeen recently, Debo was used exactly the same, and the, and the targets didn't drop off at all. Uh, so it's a great question, Kevin. I actually wonder if you could get more than the wide receiver 10 value that keep trade cut has him i just wonder if you if you traded him, him away right now i just think you could possibly get more than that uh we've seen recency bias is so evident in dynasty leagues and he's certainly one of the standouts from this season so just playing my game of trying to sell at peak value i think i would aim to to get off debo this off season i think is extremely unlikely for him to improve on this finish uh but then at the same time i'm i'm happy to hold if i don't receive the right offer uh, I think looking at it right now, going into next season, I think he's certainly in that wide receiver one range. I think he's an incredibly safe prospect on, in the Carl Shanahan system. So question back to you, Kev. What would be a suitable offer for you to shift Debo Samuel this offseason? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, first of all, it's got to be an early first round pick, whether that be this year or next year, potentially. Obviously, it's hard to predict but uh, how it'll look in a year's time. But That'd be the minimum, an early first pick with something on top, whether that be 
wide receiver, uh, maybe a shot at another position, like you might need a QB3 or a, a tight end two, something like that. Just something extra. I think if you're just taking one pick for Debo, it's pretty dangerous. And even if you're taking, let's say, a first and a second, it, depending where that second is, it, it, it could be more of a dart throw than taking a proven veteran who we know, even if it is a position like a QB or tight end. So, yeah, um, I won't be selling him on the cheap, no doubt, but I think with the way he's finished, he's going to have plenty of plenty of suitors, especially in my eyes, especially contending teams with the way he's finished the season, that recency bias. Yeah, I certainly, I saw him go to one of my leagues about two or three weeks ago. He went for two firsts, both in 2022, but I thought, well, that that's pretty good value for him. But looking into it, they're both the pick 11 and 12. So it's back end. I thought, do you know what? I'm not quite sure. I'm, you know, you think first rounders as being quite safe prospects, but at the back of the first round, it's not always scared of that. Yeah, it is scary. Um, I think I think you're going to see a lot of variety, to be honest, in how people value Debo. I mean, so I think you tend to find it with these guys that have have risen from quite low down, and obviously the the ADP before the season. It's a little bit like Elijah Mitchell, I guess. It's it's hard to to stick an actual value on these guys, isn't it? Because they've had just that one year of, of obviously breaking out, and yeah, that that just what that's what makes it interesting with somebody like Debo. I think there's going to be that much varied value on him. You can potentially in, in your league you maybe get um, a lot more than maybe what what you value him at. But um, yeah, I think he's definitely a very interesting uh, player. A little bit like Cooper Cup as well. Obviously, another player that's that's had a, a really yeah. strong season. I think his value as well is a bit a bit scattered all over. So. Yeah, interesting. He's he's not one of them flashy names, is he? Where you think no. you got him on your roster and you think, wow, that's that's a stacked roster because I've got Debo Samuel. But maybe he is this season and heading into next season. Who knows? Yeah, maybe he's a um, cornerstone. Hopefully, he's a cornerstone. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to move on to uh, another wide receiver who's had a very good season. Um, mm-hmm. Matt, over to you. Yeah, so for this one, I've gone for Darnell Mooney. And I mean, Alan Robinson's loss has been Darnell Mooney's game. Um, after a season where Robinson is, is basically disappeared off the face of the earth, um, this this 2020 fifth round pick, is he's asserted himself now as the wide receiver one for the Bears and, and finished with a 1,000-yard season. Um, really impressive, finished as the wide receiver 23 in PPR leagues. And that's despite only having four receiving touchdowns and, and one rushing touchdown. Um, he's also had to, to 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 deal with a constant change at quarterback between Andy Dalton and, and Justin Fields, switching and and changing between those two guys, obviously with with injuries and and what have you. Um, but yeah, he's he's been the favourite target of both of these guys this year. Um, he's actually seen his role changed um, over what he had in the, in his rookie season. His rookie season, he was more of a, a deep threat. But now, if you look at this season in in twenty twenty one, he's seen his his um, slot snap percentage increase from eighteen point six percent up to. 32.4%. And I think with that increased volume, um, that's obviously now led to him being a, a much more stable fantasy asset than, than what he was last season. Um, but then I think the big question now is looking at his outlook moving forward and, and beyond this season. Um, I think there's no doubt that Justin Fields, he's going to be his, his starting quarterback in 2021. But we know that there's now going to be a change to, to the head coach, obviously Matt Nagy being, um, being sacked this earlier this week. So um, he's going to have to contend with a with a new head coach and potentially a new scheme. Um, I, I'm going to imagine as well that, that the Bears move on from Alan Robinson after after this disappointing season. I mean, yeah. we know he was playing on the the franchise tag this season. 
Um, so then I think then looking forward, you've got to expect that they're going to bring some more competition in at, at the wide receiver and just the receiving position in, in general. There's only really Darnell Mooney and obviously the tight end Cole Komet that, that have any any real noticeable names in, in terms of receiving options. Um, you need to bear in mind that they don't have that first round pick. Obviously traded that to to, to the Giants, um, which I'm, I'm quietly happy about. But um, <laughs> yeah, they do have they do have plenty of cap space. I, I've I've seen that the cap room is is pretty sizable for next year. So I, I believe that they could make a move in free agency, maybe get one of these top wide receiving options. Um, and yeah, I think to me that that would be the worst situation if if they were to bring in a a veteran top wide receiving option. That that's obviously gonna going to hamper Mooney's uh, fantasy production. So um, with that, my question to you guys is, have we now reached the peak value for, for Mooney or do you think um, it can improve further on this this wide receiver 23 finish? Yeah, I, I personally think we've just got to give a hats off to Mooney. I, I personally didn't see a wide receiver two finish in the range of outcomes for him this season. I especially didn't see him being the wide receiver one on the team and I didn't think it was going to be close. Uh, Alan Robinson, absolute joke of a year. Uh, I, I still, <laughs> unfortunately for me and, and all my dynasty shares, I still have to believe in him. And especially if he gets a move away, then I'm going to be incredibly happy. But anyway, back to Darnell to the Mooney. Um, in, oh, in, <laughs> the Cubs say that. Oh, that <laughs> Just incredibly impressive for a fifth rounder to be having this success and this production with a, a rookie quarterback who's struggled throwing the ball, as as well as having the likes of Andy Dalton and Nick Foles as quarterback. Um, I do personally believe wide receiver two is probably his ceiling. So for him to finish as a wide receiver two, although clearly a back end wide receiver two, I do think he's possibly reached maxed value or, or potentially close to it. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be wrong as I do have a few shares of Donar Mooney, but. I, I do believe they're going to be active in free agency for a wide receiver, or they possibly target one in, in the draft early on, as you alluded to. They've got that early second round pick, and it's a pretty stacked wide receiver class. Um, I've always personally seen Mooney as a good or ideal wide receiver too, but not a typical alpha. Uh, that being said, this offense has been putrid this season, absolutely pathetic, and they're going to have a new head coach plus year two of Justin Fields, and I can definitely see this offense taking a big step forwards. Um, so the poten- potential room to improve. But ideally, I'm m- trying to move him on this offseason before free agency and before the draft. Yeah, I mean, first of all, Matt, earlier on this uh, season, we were speaking about Mooney on this show. And you mentioned about engaging in trade talks to sell Daniel Mooney. I just want to know, first of all, did you get a first round draft pick from our good friend Rich Cooley? I didn't, no. I, I think oh. I pushed too hard. I tried to get that first and I scared him away. I, yeah, Sadly, didn't get one. But I don't know, maybe his values increased a little bit from what it were back then when we, we spoke about it. I mean, he's had a, a solid finish, so I might, I might have to try again and get that, that first. Yeah, definitely have another nibble and see what you can <laughs> what you can get from him. But yeah, just um, wide receiver 23 season, it far exceeds my expectations. Nobody saw this Alan Robinson season coming, did they, Ali? Um, I think whoever <laughs> nope. replaces A-Rob, it, it's, it's surely going to have a better season than wide receiver 81, though. And then you've got to think of the new coaching staff. It's hard to be worse than Matt Nagy, who I think is a really overrated coach anyway. But will it be a defensive-minded guy that comes in? And then you've got to pin your hopes on they're going to maximise Justin Fields. I know Brian Flores, he's had an interview for the job. Um, Justin Fields himself, he's, he's flash, but he's, he's far from a pro bowler. Um, and obviously, you're looking for that 
growth potential between Fields and Mooney, but it all comes back to Alan Robinson and the competition, really. Um, the record for free agent wide receivers is far from impressive. They've got no first-round pick, as you mentioned, from the field trade-up. But like you said, round two, pick 39 overall, it's in an ideal range for a wide receiver. Um, a prototypical X receiver like David Bell would be ideal for the Bears. Um, it, it's uh, such a deep and fruitful wide receiver class, there'll be definitely some talent available at that pick. Now back to Mooney, wide receiver 29 at keep trade cut. It's potential to get even higher after free agency if they don't take anyone. But yeah, I can't see him improving on that um, low wide receiver to finish. I'd be happy selling the former fifth rounder at that cost. And there's loads of guys I like just below Mooney. Um, Chase Claypool, potentially Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster. So um, just throw it back to you, Matt. Would you be taking any of those straight up for Mooney? Yeah, to be honest, I think I'd, I'd take all three of them over over Mooney. Um, Claypool, somebody I've not stereotypically been been super high on. Obviously, I'm, I'm more team Deontay Johnson, but um, I definitely the upside that Claypool has. It, it's clear to see when he's on, is he's on. It's just it's just how often he's on, and I think maybe moving forward as it as he matures a little bit more, doesn't do any any celebrations when he when he gets a first down. Um, yeah, I think Claypool, Michael Thomas, obviously is. He's sat out this year, but we know what a, an elite talent he is when he's when he's playing. And I think it's too early to to, to jump off him. And and Juju, a little bit more, a little bit more tricky with Juju. Obviously, we don't know where he's he's going to be playing football next year. Um, obviously had the injury as well this season, um, so that that needs to be monitored. But yeah, I think I think I'm taking all three of those guys. And there's probably some more as well that are around that range. I think I do think Moon is valued a little bit too high at the minute at wide receiver 29. Obviously, we've We've said what a great season he's had, but I just feel like everything played to to him having that season, like we mentioned at the start. He's not really had any competition, has he, in terms of, of targets yeah. with Robinson struggling this year. So, um, yeah, and, and just touching back onto what you mentioned about the the rookies coming in, I think that's probably, if you are a believer in Mooney, you want him to, to rather get that competition to be a rookie than, as I say, a, a veteran wide receiver. But, um, yeah, I, I, I do personally feel like he's at peak value at the minute and, yeah, I think I'll take all three of those guys. Come and get it cooling. <laughs> yeah, send the clay pool in and we've got a deal. <laughs> nice to see that we're all in agreement on a player. Mm. <laughs> Legends. And with that, we'll move on to, to my pick and I'm going to change position, go to the runner back position and a guy that's had a bit of an indifferent season. Um, we had plenty of hype at the, the start of the season. It's Antonio Gibson, uh, Washington. Um Interested to see their new name in a couple of weeks' time or whenever mm-hmm. it will be. Uh, but yeah, certainly Antonio Gibson, he's been a, for me, an under the radar running back one this season. Uh, was certainly one of the dynasty darlings of the 2021 off season. I personally got knocked back with an offer of free first for Gibson, um, which I was astounded at at the time. Um, but yeah, maybe I was getting a bit too hyped about him. He was RB7 in, in the ADP and startups just before the season, but then the season started off with a few, certainly a few struggles. He was down at RB18 through the first eight weeks before the Washington's bye. He averaged 12 PPR points per game, which is not where you took him. You're not not where you, what you hoped would he'd produce. Uh, we actually featured him on the Week Eight Review Show, and there were certainly some concerns for his usage. Um, that we certainly had a lot of questions about him. JD McKissick, who was only four spots behind him at RB22, averaging 11.4 PPR points per game. So there's really weren't much between them. Um, but but then following the bye, 
was a much different story. Gibson was the RB6 from weeks 10 to 18, um, averaging 16.7 PPR points per game. Uh, so obviously fantastic exactly where you drafted him. The only negative for me is that is that pass usage. Is He ranks 20th in running back targets, which is not ideal. I'd like to certainly see that improve further on into his career. Uh, but just during the last eight games, he actually posted five top seven finishes. So he really finished strongly, consistent production, and he, he certainly helped you down the stretch in, in the most important time in the calendar. Um, and McKissick is worth noting that McKissick was mainly out with his neck injury and Jarrett Patterson was was mainly the backup. But he was he was used very sparingly while Gibson was healthy. Um, he was certainly the workhorse. Uh, and then just looking forward in Dynasty, McKissick is free agent now. He said that he wants to return to the team and there's apparently mutual interest. So we'll, we'll just see what happens there. Um, personally, I would like to see Jarrett Patterson take the RB2 role. I think we've seen him be incredibly efficient with his touches. Just thinking about that big week 17 game when Gibson was out. Um, we all personally had Gibson ranked inside our top 10 in our mid-season rankings. Me and Matt had him nine and Kev, you had him at 10. Um, just thinking about my end of season rankings, I think that's still going to be about where I'm going to place him in, in my rankings. He's definitely still a RB1, certainly. So with that, my question to you boys is, with Antonio Gibson finishing as an RB1 this season, um, although just, do you, do you rank him as an RB1 in Dynasty going forward? Yeah, this is an on-brand selection from the grill. Um, I think <laughs> you made that deal before the season three firsts. Um, if you make that deal again, I, I truly believe that gets easily accepted. Um, yeah. Depends if you if you want to do that or not. But yeah, it's, <laughs> draft picks are going to increase in value. If you do it nearer to the draft, you, you might get them for even cheaper. But yeah, he's got to be ranked a dynasty running back one. He's 23 years old. He's had two top 13 finishes to begin his career. Um, that's moving from wide receiver to running back as well. Um, it's good to see the public agrees. Keep trade cut. I've got him running back 11. Uh, you mentioned McKissick. Uh, please go. Uh, <laughs> I think someone like Patterson is good enough for the role, but not elite enough to put the clamps on Gibson as well. So I'm still fully in on Gibson Dynasty. I know all three of us are. Um, he's got that solid three down skill set. There's room for even further growth in the past game. Uh, 10 and 11 touchdowns in his two seasons in the league. And also, you've got to think Washington. They'll be looking to improve at QB and wide receiver, which. That means even more touchdown opportunity. It opens up the field more as well. So, yeah, to answer your question, I agree. Definitely back end running back one in startups. Yeah, I've I've still got him as a, a running back one, and and still inside my top ten. Like you, like you said, Ali, I've not not fully sorted my my end of season rankings, but I think he's still going to be inside the the top ten and around that RB nine where I had him mid season. Um, I've said it before about about Gibson. I'm I'm going to stand by it. I still think we've yet to see the the true potential of Antonio Gibson, especially as a as a receiver. Like you just touched upon, Kev. I mean, the guy played wide receiver throughout his college career at Memphis. Yet he only gets three targets a game this season. I mean, I, I just don't get it. I mean, it, it is his game. I don't understand why he doesn't see see more targets. Maybe it's down to to the quarterback. We obviously know that he's he's played with Heineke this year, and and he's more of a mobile quarterback, so you tend to get less of those those dump offs. So. Maybe Maybe with with a, another quarterback moving forward, we, we get to see that that receiving work that we've been we've been craving with Gibson. Um, but he has he has struggled with injuries over his, his first two seasons in the NFL. Um, obviously, we know this season he's, he's played through most of it with a, a stress stress fracture 
stress fracture in his shin. Um, <laughs> easy, easy for me to say, obviously. Um, often gets often often gets labelled as as a bit injury prone. Um, and maybe looking looking forward, do you do you have that concern with those injury history um, potentially? But um, I think he's shown this season just how, how tough a guy he is. I mean, he's only missed three games anyway over over the last two seasons. Um, through injury, so I, I just think that shows. Even if he has got a little nagging injury, he still managed to to power through. And and yeah, he's, he's been fantastic this year. Like you said, Alan, maybe a little bit under the radar. Um, obviously had that stronger second half to to the season, but yeah, I think long term, I'm I'm backing that talent and hoping, like I said, um, an upgrade at quarterback. Hopefully, that unlocks that potential um, a little bit further. Um, so, Ali, my, my question back to you is: Where would you be comfortable drafting Gibson in in a super flex startup in in this off season? Oh, it's a really interesting question, and I think I'm still comfortable just about with him as my RB1. I've, I have got him in a few places, and um, I think entering this offseason, my strategy is going to change a little bit. just depends on where I am in the draft. I'm going to be looking at wide receivers possibly a bit earlier than I usually do, and mm-hmm. uh, if I can come away with a quarterback, a wide receiver, and Gibson as my RB1, then I'm incredibly happy with that start. He's just look at his latest ADP. It's RB12, so 24 or 25th overall. Um, I think that's that's going to be around the, the two free turn. Um, then if it's if it's third round reversal and I'm I'm sitting at the back of the draft, um, I know that he could possibly make it back to me at that ADP. So I can possibly target someone like a Justin Jefferson at the back of the the first round or a young stud wide receiver early on and try and aim to get him in the early third. I think that's going to be a really great start in my eyes. Um, I do think he could be possibly a value in startups, uh, especially after the rookie drafts and the likes of Brees, all these, these stud running backs coming in. If they land in a good spot, then I think Gibson might just get pushed down or just forgotten about a little bit um, where I think there's, there's value to be picked up. Um, how about you two? Are you happy to, to roster him as your, your RB1 next season? Mm. Match on the go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is trickier. It is trickier. I think just because, like we've we've seen it this season. I mean, the fact that it, the start of the season. I mean, you wasn't. If you had him as your RB one this year, then I think you were definitely concerned to to begin the season. But with the fact that McKissick got hurt, that then seemed to unlock that that potential a little bit more, and we got to see what what we all hoped for with, with Gibson and, and getting that heavy workload and and just looking dominant really and a really solid running back that's my only concern i think moving forward if if they do decide to bring mckissick back that just feels like a kind of running back that just holds back the the potential of, of somebody like gibson and, and like you both alluded to I'd, I'd much prefer that they they let him go and, and if i saw that patterson was maybe going to be the the rb2 behind him i feel much more comfortable having him as my my rb1 yeah i think for me if he's in round three and startups yes i would take him um, I'm probably going to, like I mentioned before, split it between quarterback, running back, wide receiver. So if you get start off with, I don't know, maybe um, someone like a, a Joe Burrow, um, a wide receiver that's a decent as well, CD Lamb maybe, and then Gibson. I think yeah. you're, mm. you're pretty well set there to be up with those three young guys. So yeah, I get to give um, Joe Burrow some love then, didn't I? I was going to say, I <laughs> was shocked. I thought you done that. <laughs> Thought you don't like rostering old quarterbacks. He's coming <laughs> round, big wheel. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll we'll move on to the next guy and a, a veteran, I suppose, has been in the league a few years, but we've not really shown much love to. Over to you, Kev. 
Yeah, this is a guy that we've not really spoke about ever. I can't really remember many times we've gushed about this guy. Um, it was a name that cropped up on last year's streamer from when I commented on this guy as the Michael Carter comp. Um, so <laughs> Disrespectful. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's worth another mention after the best fantasy game of his career, and that's Devin Sigultry. Um Solid all-round fantasy display. He had a rushing touchdown, receiving touchdown. 25.2 fantasy points on the week. Um, Singleton has actually been on a tear the last five games, running back four pace based on the 19.7 fantasy points per game average in that time span. Um, an area he's really stepped up in uh, going into his, his third year is the red zone. He had six rushing touchdowns in his first 41 career games, and he's now got five rushing touchdowns in his last four. So obviously that's unsustainable, but intriguing nonetheless. He's finished the season as running back 20 overall, which is a back in running back two, and he's still only 24 years old. So he's still not being viewed that way in general. Keep trade cut, got him running back 36, right on that 3-4 cusp. Um, but it does appear that he's taken that majority role of the backfield. He's been averaging over 75% of snaps in the last five games. The only similar usage we've ever seen was at the end of his rookie season. Is that because he's turned the corner, or is it just a coincidence with that cold Buffalo climate? So... There's definitely questions. Is he the clear top running back for now, the future, or is it just one of those uh, mirages that's going to disappear in the near future? So yeah. my question to you guys is, are you confident that with this strong finish to the year, uh, it keeps him in that lead back role for the Bills next season and a running back two in your lineups? Yeah, I mean, confident. That's that's a strong word, Kev. I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure I can I can commit to, to the confident. Um, you like Michael that... Carter, though? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you're putting them both in the same sentence, Kevin. I mean, it, it's disrespectful to Michael Carter and that. But um, yeah, I mean, he's definitely made a case to to, to be the lead back with his, his strong finish um, over the last five weeks. Is is the RB two behind Ernie Penny? So um, yeah, like you mentioned, Kev had a, had a really strong finish to the season. Um, I think the Bills that they just realised that they needed some kind of, of run game to keep opposing defenses honest and and be able to manage the clock whenever they they needed to in certain games. Um, but I think my only concern is is that lack of trust that that we saw at the at the start of the season in, in him, um, and to me it just feels like one of those really iffy running backs where I think at any point his his value can be crushed during the off season. Um, I mean, while there's no clear stud at the running back option in free agency, I think there's definitely some interesting options that that could hamper his, his value. And I think the same could be said for for the NFL draft draft as well. While there's there's maybe no clear stud like the terms of, of Jonathan Taylor and, and Najee Harris last season. I do think there is still some and Michael Carter. I do <laughs> I, I, I do still think that there's there's enough enough talent there to 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 definitely harm his his value moving forward. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him at least bring somebody else in and, and make a little bit of a competition of it. I mean, if he can dodge those bullets in the off season, then yeah, you, you're probably getting him at a value right now because I do think a lot of people are, are going to be concerned. Um, and yeah, I do think he could be a solid RB2 in 2021. But to be honest, I, I don't like playing running back chicken at, at this stage of the off season. I've, I've been burnt enough times. I'm, I'm thinking carry on Johnson. Um, that, that's always going to be stuck in my mind. So um, yeah, somebody that, I'm not prepared to, to fully commit to at the minute. Yeah, I'm not sure about that word confident, Kev. Yeah. Definitely not confident <laughs> for me. Uh, just ever since the legendary Shady McCoy departed, the Bills backfield has just been a complete mess for fantasy. 
but but Singletary has led the Bills in Russia now the last three seasons, so I think he deserves a bit of credit there. I was actually quite high on him when he got drafted, but then quickly got off him the following season when Moss was drafted just a year later. Um, I have to say the last five weeks have just been great. Certainly used the ground game a lot more, the Bills. I'm not quite sure why it's taken them this long to use the more balanced approach. And it certainly reaped rewards. Four wins on the bounce and could have been five, but they lost in overtime to the Super Bowl-bound Buccaneers. Um, I, do, <laughs> I, do, I, do think, I do think there's a small chance that they take this approach forward and Singletary could be the a reliable top 24 guy next season. But I am seeing a lot of mocks, early mocks, having the Bills grabbing a top runner back at the back end of round one. I think that would absolutely destroy Singletary's value. So I'd personally prefer to jump off him a bit early just to see if I can capitalise on this good run by trading him away right now. Um, I don't. You're not going to get a first round for him, but second is probably right. I'd sell him for a second, um, but I'd also like to package him up for another asset, someone like a Tony Pollard, a Leonard Fournette, or even... Michael Carter. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> my question back to you, Kev, is is Singletary a target for you this offseason or is he is he a sell if you own him? Yeah, he's not a target for me. I'd be looking to sell him. I think now is an ideal time to sell him with the uncertainty of how it's going to look in the playoffs. Um, free agency, the draft, he's got a lot of bullets to dodge and you made a great point, Matt. It's not the ideal time. Personally, I don't think it's the ideal time to buy in any player that's got a shaky job security for for uh, heading yeah. into next season with free agency and the draft, um, I'm pretty confident that the Bills won't be taking a running back in round one. I, I think they're a pretty smart organisation. They tend to go for lesser guys. Uh, single two was a day two pick. Uh, Moss, uh, Matt Breeder, he's had a stint there, and it's it's partly that fact that I can't really confident in single two. The fact that they could take uh, a round three running back and use him like that like Zach Moss started this season everybody thought he was going to be the star yeah he's been inactive and healthy scratch sometimes so can you really trust that running back uh room to to deliver for you um I doubt it I think a, a lot might depend on how the Bills go in the playoffs they'll have to have a run game I think to beat certain teams um Chiefs spring to mind uh you, you, you don't really want to get in a duel with, with Pat Mahomes um no not not traveling to Arrowhead if they have to go there. Uh, so yeah, I'd be I'd be looking to sell him, but fortunately I don't own him anywhere. <laughs> no, I don't own him anywhere either now. And um no. if I did, I'd certainly be selling him. Um in fact, same with in you. fact I'm a liar. I am a liar. Um I took an orphan this week and it's got single trans, so if you're in that league with me straight on the it, trade block. He is a big value. <laughs> what would you take for him, Kev? Second round pick? Yep, snap your hand off. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Carter. Oh, definitely. I've oh, actually yeah. got Michael I'd Carter. Want Antonio, <laughs> I'd want Antonio Gibson for Michael Carter. That's, that's my <laughs> <money>. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> right, we'll move on to uh, another guy with a bit of a shaky dynasty outlook. It's one of our very mm. favourite quarterbacks. Nice. Over to you, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, well, to be honest, I, I was tempted to, to have another one of my 2019 loves in, in Duke Johnson. Um, obviously, I brought, up, I brought up Rashad Penny last week, but I didn't want to bore the listeners with yet another two-year overdue victory lap. So I've decided to go with somebody that I think is potentially quite interesting, and that's Jimmy Garoppolo. 
I mean, while he's sexy on the eye, he's definitely not sexy in terms of the fantasy football. I mean, we all love Trey Lance, don't we? I think everybody in Dynasty absolutely loves Trey Lance. And, and we've all been dying to see him take that starting job. But I think you've got to give a, a bit of respect to the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo has managed to to hold him off. Maybe it's a little bit more down to, to Kyle Shanahan and his, his stubbornness. But fair play, I think, to, to Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I will admit it's, it's, it's not been easy viewing at times. Um, but you've got to say he's definitely been a, a part of, of the fact that the 49ers have made the playoffs. Um, just looking back to this past week, he looked absolutely terrible, didn't he, in the, the first half, but then really put it together in the second half and managed to put together a couple of, of key drives, including that 88-yard final drive with just a, a minute left on the clock to send it to overtime. So, yeah, I think I think we've got to show a bit of respect to, to Jimmy Garoppolo. Finished the year as the QB 17, despite only throwing 20 touchdowns and, and 12 interceptions. Um, yeah, he's just been a, a solid quarterback too throughout most of the season. And then just looking at player profile as metrics as well as sixth in accuracy rating, third in true completion percentage and, and second in, in pressure completion percentage. So a few stats there that, that really favourable for, for Garoppolo. Um, but then with that, I think you do have to consider the fact that this offence, I think, has been a key reason for his success. Um, just going back to player profile, he was, he was third in there supporting cast effect uh, metric. So that just goes to show the fact that players like Debo Samuel that we, we mentioned earlier, the fact that he can just rack up those those numbers on his own as being a key part and obviously George Kittle as well. Um, but then I do think that that now opens up the question for his, his future outlook. Um, while he's not a free agent until 2023, um, the 49ers do have a, an easy out on his contract with just a $1.4 million cap hit if, if they do decide to let him go. And I, and I think personally, unless Jimmy G can can somehow take the 49ers to the promised land and, and get them a Super Bowl win, I think that they are going to start to to look at the, the future of the franchise and and see what they've got in, in Trey Lance. So I, I'd like to at least hope hope that that's the case. So my question to you guys is, where where would be the best realistic landing spot for Jimmy Garoppolo to, to continue to be just a, a solid quarterback to in, in fantasy? I'll just start by saying all the, all the bad words I've said about Jimmy G. <laughs> he has just locked the Saints out of the playoffs, so he is my favourite quarterback at the minute. <laughs> uh, but I will also say, just putting it out there, I, I think if he wasn't so damn good looking, I don't think he'd be a starter in the NFL. <laughs> uh, now I've got that off my chest, I will actually give him a bit of credit for this this season and especially that second half against the Rams, as you mentioned. Um, I was actually very close to tweeting out about Jimmy G in the first half and what a mistake, you know, that them starting him over <laughs> Trey Lance, but I'm glad I kept my mouth shut in the end. Um, but it's it's a great question, Matt. And I'm just saying, Tom Brady, please don't retire. And I don't <laughs> want the Bucks to be in the Jimmy G sweeps, sweepstake this offseason. Um, as you mentioned, if, if the 49ers do let him go, they've just got that $1.4 million in dead money. So, Kyle, just please do it this this off season uh and then just a couple of realistic spots for me i think washington if they don't draft a quarterback obviously they've got high nikki and fitzpatrick i don't see them being their answers so it would make sense there and then um, the next one i'm sorry matt i'll say the giants um i'll take it (laughs) (laughs) not exactly a massive upgrade on daniel jones but i just think they need something to kickstart their offense that only scored 23 offensive touchdowns this season which was last in the nfl uh either way i i do think that he still does hold some value in dynasty i i do he, see him being a starter somewhere in the nfl in 2022 just please not the 49ers 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, first of all, I'm not giving Jimmy G much credit for Sunday's victory. It was 17-3 down at the half. And by the time he threw his next pass, it was 17 all. So um, <laughs> he did well on that final drive, no doubt. But he also threw that that um, potentially costly interception. It's just a shame yeah. Matt Stafford um, went to Brown Town, really, and couldn't put the game away. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be cruel and say, I'm going to wind up the trail Lance fan and say, San Francisco. <laughs> no, um, no, no. I mean, how, do I mute? how do I mute, Kevin? No. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be absolutely shocking for him to be the start of next season, but I mean, I don't think they're trading Jimmy G until they're 100% confident in Trey Lance. Um, I think if we're open for Trey Lance to sit a season and then be the quarterback one, like Mahomes was, I think we're going to be disappointed. Um, so, yeah, the popular teams that spring to mind for me are Pittsburgh and Denver. Um, so, but I like to go for the Steelers. I don't want to wind up the Trey Lance fans too much. Um, <laughs> Steelers, it's a well-run franchise. have made Ben Roethlisberger passable this season. It'd be surrounded by offensive weapons. Najee is the banger. You've got Deontay catching it, uh, destroying it after the catch. Um, you've got Claypool with the jet sweeps, the deep stuff like uh, sort of a, a Debo-type player, although they're uh, not exactly the same size. You've got Juju who's technically still there. You've got Postman Pat delivering up the seam. I think the O-line is an issue, but I think wherever Jimmy G ends up is going to be an unsexy QB too. Realistically, though, I don't see a trade happening, not this offseason, especially after he, um, air quotes, led the uh, 49ers <laughs> to the playoffs. Um, but, Mike, what's funny, you mentioned a, a, an old flame of ours, Duke Johnson, mm. who's reinvented himself as an older power back. Um <laughs> So, yeah, we all love Duke Johnson. I just wondered if you think he sticks with the Dolphins and will he have a usable role on our dynasty teams next season? Yeah, he's definitely a good friend of the show, isn't he, Duke? He's, he's popped up a few times when Kev's had a bit of internet, internet, internet problems in the past. So, um, yeah, definitely a, a, an unofficial member of, of the Fantasy Wildcard, I think. But, um, yeah, I think I think he, he can stick around in... Uh, in Miami with the Dolphins, I think he's, he's looked great in in the, the few games that he has played and, and put it together. A little concern maybe is the fact that they've obviously just, just sat blind Flores. So, I mean, does the new head coach, does he want to, to keep hold of somebody like Duke Johnson? That, that remains to be seen. But, yeah, I think he's a little bit like Rashad Penny. He's, he's shown that he, he is capable of still being a, a solid contributor to, to a team in the NFL. So, you could probably still get him for dirt cheap. I think he could still potentially have a role, but a little bit like we just said with, with Singletree, I think it's hard to, to have any confidence in these these lesser running backs that, that just don't have that, that job security. But yeah, if you've got a, a spare spot and you can throw maybe a, a third round pick, a late third round pick, then yeah, I wouldn't hate it on, on somebody like Duke Johnson, a, a veteran that's, that's shown that he can still do it. Yeah, we love Duke, don't we? And he we can... Do. <laughs> he can stay in Florida if he wants to, and he can move to the Buccaneers. We've, I mean, we've only got Keyshawn Vaughn next season, so we can't be doing much worse than Duke Johnson. Um, yeah. He can come a come and win win a, a win a ship or a ring on, <laughs> on the Buccaneers. <laughs> How many years back to back to back? Yeah, why not? <laughs> God. Anyway, can't wait for the Giants to get good so I can join in on this conversation. <laughs> Same. Uh, 20 years or so. Now we're going to move on from Jimmy G, the game manager, to 
my my selection, a quarterback who's mm-hmm. generational. It's uh, Justin Herbert. Um, and just how long have we got left of this show? Because I could actually speak for the next two hours about Justin <laughs> Herbert. Um, quarterback on my official second team, the Chargers. Lol. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, I will just say that I did, I did predict uh, a huge year on our flag plant show. Said he'd be he would join the elite come this offseason, but even I didn't anticipate him finishing as a quarterback to this season. Uh, only Herbert and Tom Brady threw for over 5,000 yards this season, uh, and he increased his passing touchdowns from 31 to 38, which was ahead of Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, and Josh Allen. Um, but not only did he score big, he scored consistently too. Uh, so these stats were supplied by our friend Rich Cooling. Um, only Jalen Hurts had more games inside the top 12 this season than than Herbert. You'd be pleased to know that, Kev. Um, <laughs> just under 70% of the time, Herbert was a quarterback one, so incredibly consistent. Mm. Uh, compare that to Joe Burrow, who's at 50%. So there's 20% difference in that, which is quite big. Um, just fantastic season for Herbert, fantasy-wise. Obviously, disappointing season for the Chargers not to make the playoffs. I can't believe they're out and the Steelers are in. But anyway, yeah, he's, interestingly, his his ADP has only gone up one spot from his pre from preseason to now. Even with that QB two finish, his he was quarterback six preseason. His quarterback five in December startup ADP. He's jumped Dak Prescott, which will make you happy, Kev. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then just looking at on the DL, DLF website, which I tend to do every day, as I've not got much of a life. They have <laughs> they have <laughs> they have their cornerstone rankings. So. These are defined as these cornerstone rankings for Superflex Dynasty Football Leagues are intended to gauge the long-term potential value of players over the next several seasons. And they've got Justin Herbert is number one on that list, the head of the likes of Joe Burrow, and then the runner backs, Jonathan Taylor, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson. So they clearly believe in him. And I just think he's the perfect quarterback to build your roster around right now. And in that, I mean that he's able to to win now at just age 23, but he's also going to be valuable and going to be a productive asset for years to come on on your dynasty team um my pre-season rankings i had mahomes in a tier of his own clearly the quarterback one but i've certainly changed that now and i've now got five guys in a in a very close tier together and that that definitely includes herbert going forwards um just looking forward in in dynasty this off season i think it's going to be really interesting with them likely losing big mike big mike williams is He's been a big part of that offense this season, although clearly mainly the first half of the season. Uh, but it, I think it's going to be crucial for the Chargers to replace him with a suitable guy. And luckily, I do think they have the cap space, it seems, to be able to go out and get a free agent wide receiver if they feel the need to. Um, if ever, if they either draft or, or sign a big name, then Herbert, for me, can continue this ascent. And who knows, he could be right up there with Mahomes and Josh Allen come next offseason. Uh, so my question to you two is, in a, in a dynasty startup scenario, it's obviously super flex first round and you're sitting at pick four. You've got Mahomes, Josh Allen and Kyler. They've all gone off the board. And if you wanted to pick a quarterback here, do you go for Herbert? Do you go for Lamar, Dak or even Burrow? Just just give us your insights. Yeah, it's definitely not Dak. What an absolute form <laughs> he's been this season. Um, he's let down owners taking him QB4, um, pointing at myself. Um, lack of rushing touchdowns uh, and rushing yards, it takes away him from the top because he's not as good a passer as the other guys. Um, 
that finished QB8 overall, QB9 fantasy points per game. But this has been inflated by that five-touchdown game versus Philly under-16s in Week 18. Um, I think Lamar Jackson will be slept upon this off-season, but if you take out the game where he played at Cleveland and threw four passes, his 11-game average is 21.4 fantasy points, which is QB4. Uh, better than Dak's numbers and also better than Joe Burrow's numbers. I think recency bias is likely to slap. Uh, QB won for Burrow in the championship weeks, 16-17. Um, he's actually only QB 10 in fantasy points per game, the lowest of the four that you put forward as potentials. Um, I think that Burrow should be ahead of Dak for sure. I think with Lamar, it's close. You'd want, um, I guess you could take Burrow over Lamar, but I'll just take the better QB for fantasy and Lamar. Uh, but yeah, the clear answer for me of this question is Justin Herbert, QB2 in fantasy points per game, only behind Josh Allen. He's currently going as QB3 at keep trade cut, higher than Kyler Murray. He's built like Josh Allen, he throws like Mahomes. Uh, and I've got a cheeky stat for you. In the first Ooh. 32 games as a fantasy starter, Pat Mahomes averaged 22.7 fantasy points. Justin Herbert, 22.09 fantasy points. So... Ooh, wow. I think that's really impressive from Herbert, considering Pat Mahomes sat his full year one pretty much. Yep. Um, Herbert yep. started game two or three, I believe. So um, I need to do a Herbert dip dab this off season and get some more shares <laughs> in my uh, in my portfolio as such. So yeah, definitely need to resolve that and get some more Herbert. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to answer it by saying, can I just trade back and maybe just take the last guy <laughs> out of those guys that you mentioned? I think they're all they're all such good quarterbacks. I'm happy to do that. Um, now, to be honest, if you ever asked me this mid-season, I'd have, sorry, Kev, but I'd have gone with Dak Prescott. Um, he was the guy that I had highest out of, out of these four at mid-season. Um, but I think it is now so close between between all four of them. Obviously, we just mentioned Joe Burrow's got that young and improving offense. That Prescott's on a high-powered offense, but he could potentially be losing a, a weapon or two this offseason. Obviously, Herbert as well with this this incredible offense that he's on. And, and then Lamar Jackson, he's got that elite rushing rushing upside that gives you that safe floor each week. And and for that, I think I am going to lean Lamar Jackson out of out of those guys. Um, despite being the QB 15, he was QB 7 in, in fantasy points per game. So... I just think I'm, I'm a sucker for those rushing quarterbacks. And even if he doesn't have the the impressive um, throwing ability of somebody like uh, Herbert, I think, yeah, I think, I think I'm think i going for Lamar. And I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns. I'm sticking to, to what I believe in in fantasy. And I'm just going to go with that that elite rushing upside. And I don't think you can get a, a more elite rushing quarterback. And I don't think they, they ever will be, to be honest, a more elite rushing quarterback than Lamar Jackson. He, he's just unreal. So... Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to take Lamar. But I think the, the main takeaway from this is just how much elite talent he is now up at, at the top end of these quarterback rankings. I mean, you're, you're splitting hairs, aren't you, really, with uh, with a lot of these guys now in terms of, of rankings. It's not like what it was in, in the last offseason when everybody had Mahomes as, as the clear QB1 and and then it seemed to be a tier behind him. I think they've all moved up into to one big tier, really. And as I say, it's... It's tough to split him. So um, I would throw it back to you, Ali, but I know you're the, the resident Justin Herbert fan. So <laughs> I know you're probably plumb for, for Herbert. So I'm going to throw a different question back to you. And you kind of did answer it a little bit earlier. But um, my question is, what does Herbert have to do to, to take that next step? And I know you mentioned that he's, he's probably right up there now with, with Mahomes. But is there is there anything he can do just to, to maybe push himself past those guys for you? Yeah, I think I, I mentioned earlier that I think it's really important the Chargers, they solidify that wide receiver two position behind Keenan Allen. Um, I think they've got him locked up for the next few years, but if they can get another 
good receiver to pair opposite him. I think that just takes Herbert to the next level. If they sign a, a big free agent or take a wide receiver early, I think that's going to take that's going to get me very excited. The other big thing is is rushing, and Justin Herbert had just 302 rushing yards in 2021. That's context that's less than Taylor, Taylor Heineke had, and it's over 100 yards less than Justin Fields had, who played five whole games less than Herbert. So, if he could just take the rushing to the next next stage, if he could get his rushing floor close to say 500 yards, I think that's where he can take his next step. In my opinion, he'll score them rushing touchdowns. If you look at the quarterback won the last two seasons, Josh Allen. He had a fantastic year and had 763 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns. I think that is what is separating Josh Allen to Justin Herbert. So if he just increased it by a couple of hundred yards, um, I think he can take that next step because his, his throwing ability is just unreal. Um, as you mentioned, Kev, he's, he throws like Mahomes. Um, but if he could rush a bit more, um, then perhaps he could then take the next step and be up there with with Mahomes and then Josh Allen in the quarterback one conversation. Yeah, like so, so with that, that brings us to the end of tonight's show where we've discussed some of the key players and talking points from this week's action whilst analysing them from a dynasty perspective. So is there any final thoughts on tonight's show? Come to you first, Kev. Yeah, it felt nice to watch Red Zone and not be an absolute mess this weekend. <laughs> um, I don't know how excited I am for watching the Ireland games of the playoffs. Apart from when the big underdog Eagles upset Ali's books, <laughs> eight and a half start for the Eagles. Um, uh, make sure you review the season as a whole and not focus too much on the last couple of games. I think small samples can be a trap, Devin Singletree. Um, and lastly, I spoke about this on Twitter yesterday, but if you want in one start of this offseason, take one orphan team instead. There's lots of good leagues, great commissioners out there with several orphan teams in their leagues. So let's support each other and not let all the hard work of running and playing in these leagues go to the wall. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I had to have a little laugh then, Kevin, the, the big underdog Eagles. I mean, it's not like Kevin's <laughs> it to talk down the chances of his team in a, in a playoffs. <laughs> for, for those Unreal. that don't know, Kev is a big fan of the old um, reverse psychology when it comes to, <laughs> to, to, to playing fantasy football. But, it's yeah, called the make... cooling now. It's called the cooling. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that did make me laugh. And, and yeah, I'd love to say the same as what you said, Kevin, and say that I could sit back and enjoy watching football with no stress but then I go on to watch it and I see the Giants going for a QB sneak on third and nine on their own four yard line <laughs> and that made me want to throw my TV remote through the through the television and, and go for a nice long walk to calm down so yeah definitely wasn't stress-free for me but it was good that, that there wasn't fantasy football I wasn't looking at my phone all the time and, and checking on fantasy so that was good I did get to enjoy the the other football apart from the Giants um yeah looking forward to, to to the playoffs coming up there's going to be plenty of good action and, and matchups and thankfully no no giants to watch um i will say keep keep an eye out on the trends during the playoffs and um, while it is maybe a small sample size and i'm not going to say go falling in in love with some unknown wide receiver five that may have one big week but do just keep an eye on on some trends it can maybe give a a slight clue to next season um, if they do have a solid run of games, I'm thinking someone like playoff Lenny, obviously the, the run that he had in the in the playoffs, maybe some non-observant managers, they might not pick up on that. So, yeah, maybe still keep in mind fantasy football and, and still pay attention to what's happening. And uh, also we mentioned it last week, but I think now's the time to to get ahead of your league mates and, and really start analysing these these up-and-coming rookies. Um, draft season is upon us. And, and I think if you can get an idea of the strengths and weaknesses of this upcoming class, it can really give you the upper hand in terms of, of trade negotiations um, 
moving into into the off season. Yes, personally, very sad just to see the regular season finish. Probably not going to see any quarterback sneaks on third and nine. So that's sad. <laughs> uh, it <laughs> it just it's gone so quickly. It just feels like last week we were here reviewing week one. We saw mm-hmm. Debo Samuel go off for 189 yards, and we all wondered what the hell did that? Where the hell did that come from? <laughs> But little did we know it was actually going to be a sign of what was to come. Uh, but mm-hmm. As you mentioned, Matt, if, I think it's a perfect time to review your dynasty rosters, then just decide where you're, where you're heading come next season and the next couple of seasons, really. Uh, identify your trade targets and just get, get cracking as soon as possible if your trades are open. Um, definitely advise diving into research of the up, upcoming rookies. Get ahead of the competition if you can. Uh, I agree with Kev's take about taking an orphan on this off season. There's there's a lot of good leagues out there, so just look about and and join one. Honestly, you're not going to regret it. Uh, one of the best feelings ever is to take over an orphan and to turn them around into a championship contender. It's incredibly incredibly rewarding. Um, and then lastly, just looking forward to coming in coming in on my my Bucks jersey next week uh, when we <laughs> when we beat the Eagles on Sunday. Uh... Love it. Enjoy you too. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for tuning in. Um, Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Wildcard. And also leave us a five-star podcast review. If if you've enjoyed the show today, it really does help in getting exposure to to a wider audience. So thank you. And then join us on our next show, which will drop as a podcast next Tuesday, January the 18th. And then live stream on Wednesday the 19th at 8 p.m. We've got our first guest show of 2022. It's exciting with the fantastic Lauren Carpenter. Can't wait. Uh, we're we're going to be revealing the winners of our 2021 award show. So thank you once again. Have a good one and we'll see you soon. When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game. <laughs>